you know he had a secret golf with Trump, and he's not about to tell people. Yeah, he just went and had golf with the Prez. Three, two. Nope, that's not it. Ah! Coming to you from deep inside our lofty, heavily fortified bunker, located somewhere in the heart of Middle Earth, the show that doesn't shy away from tough questions or tough answers. Sit back, turn on your brain, and get ready for truth. It's a dirty job, but hey, somebody has to do it. This is the David Allen Show, davidallenshow.com. Um, strangely enough, David is actually here. Thank you. Which Thank is you. just amazing. Because you can sit down now. It's, it's so embarrassing yeah, know, right? <laughs> when you stand up when I walk into the room. He has, for I want to say months, been avoiding the show live. Ah, uh, no, you were here. No, I was here. A couple months ago. <laughs> a couple months ago. That's what I thought. Um, the peanut gallery is here as well. Um, and on the phone with us... Uh, we decided to bring in an outsider. We don't like outsiders here. <laughs> I don't know, it's the mill bank. We're kind of closed here. Jared Thompson's on the phone. Welcome. Hey, how's it going, guys? Awesome. Howdy. Jared, when did you and I meet? Do you remember that? Oh, boy. Because um, <laughs> I, <don't laughs> I, I don't. It's been, uh, well, I, has it been longer than I've been married? I don't, I don't think I met you before you were married, so okay. it must not have been. Must have been just, sometime after. I just figured after all those years of therapy, trying to forget it, um, you know, all that money's getting thrown down the drain. So nice. Um, I know you you knew uh, my wife way before I was involved in the picture. So uh, right. Anyway, right. so I I know you because of her. So awesome. Right on. Uh, you are the. The executive pastor? Uh, my title is executive pastor. Okay. Uh, what does that mean? Um, I don't know. It sounds good. I don't get paid more, uh, but it's a cool title. So it's I more responsibility, roll with it. perhaps? But, uh, that's right. A lot of responsibility. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm not the lead pastor. Sometimes people think that executive means the lead pastor. I'm not the lead pastor. I'm the guy who does all the stuff that the lead pastor doesn't want to do. So <laughs> yeah. that's kind of my, my job description. <laughs> right. Isn't that the E in CEO? But you guys are in Indianola, That's which right. is yep. just south of Des Moines? Yeah, we're only about 10 or 11 minutes south of Des Moines, so kind of a bedroom community more or less for yeah. the, the city of Des Moines. What is population there? Uh, is it over 10,000? Uh, about 15,000-ish, okay. maybe. All right. I found a show called The Bad Christian Podcast probably six months ago, and I like their approach to questioning things. Uh, I don't know if I agree mm-hmm. with how where they go, but I appreciate that they are asking the question, and that's really kind of what started this. They had an interview several a few months ago uh, with a person, I believe from St. Paul, with the name of Austin Lionheart on YouTube. Turns out this kid was born a girl. Is and, a girl? Well, right, but is playing the role of a boy very uh, happily and is pretty convinced that it is... Biblically sound that that is allowed and good and God made this person this way and that their job is now to help other people with this gender uh, questioning thing. The biggest thing that I took from the interview was uh, one of the guys on the that were, was doing the interview said, um, "Well, what about the old, <clears throat> the you know the the old conservative Christian who reads the Bible and uh, they believe that your lifestyle is wrong." Um, what do you do with them? You know, they're not going to like throw you in the ditch, but what are you going to do, um, with them? And this, the Austin kid said, well, they really, basically the way I took what he said is 
they shouldn't be able to hold that view because whether they like it or not, it's a view of that perpetuates hatred mm. toward them. And so mm. I thought, well, what does that mean when it comes to church? Because there are lots of things in church that are sin, that, that it appears um, that the organized Christian church in the U.S. Um, not overlooks, but kind of allows to, you know, to be worked on as you get involved in church. Sure, sure. <clears throat> so one of the questions I have is how does a church in 2018, how do you treat um, a... And, you know, we're going to throw LGBT and everything else in one group. Whether we should or not, that's a, another question. Um, right. But they do. At least the news does. So I think we will for yeah. this, for the moment. But what do we do um, if a couple, let's say a gay couple or transgender uh, person, comes to our church and wants to start getting involved and, you know, they're, th this is their home and it's kind of their, they, they want to take it as, as a family and... Yeah. They want to start volunteering and they want to be involved and maybe they want to be a greeter or they want to work in a kid's ministry or they want to um, help lead a small group. What do yeah. we do? Yeah. Um, you, you know, where I'm at with that, Craig, is, you know, the first thing that you have to look at is everybody struggles uh, with sin mm -hmm. of some kind, uh, you know, and some people are further along in uh, in their journey with, with Christ and that. That journey, you know, we obviously believe that that's a, a we call it a process called sanctification, whereby, uh, you know, you you tackle issues as the Holy Spirit brings them up, and then, you know, you uh, by the power of of Christ, you overcome those things. So everybody at some point, whether you're LGBTQ or whether you're the person that walks in the church and you have uh, an issue with gossip, let's say, um, everybody has sin issues. And the thing that we've done as a church that, to our detriment, I believe, is that we've taken this, this, uh, these sins, uh, these, you know, homosexuality or, you know, any of these other issues, homosexuality is a big one that mm -hmm. we talk about the most. And we've kind of put that up on this pedestal. And, you know, partly, I, partly, I think that's a church's issue. And partly I think it's a cultural issue because, um, you know, there's a lot of pushback from the homosexual community to the church specifically. Uh, and, you know, so it becomes a point of contention, but, um, you know, I think we, as a church, we, we, we have this idea that one, sin or one, uh, let me call it an appetite, uh, you know, cause we all have appetites, mm -hmm. flesh appetites. If you get what I'm saying, um, that, that appetite, we tend to pick that one out and we, we put it on a, on a different level, I think, than the other ones. And all of a sudden it becomes a big deal. Um, and it's something maybe we shield our children from, or, you know, we start to talk to each other about, but then, you know, week after week, we have couples coming into the church that aren't married, that right. are living together, which, right. um, you know, is, is really just the same. Um, so, you know, we have this, so we, so I think the first issue is that we separate, uh, the homosexual crowd, you know, that, uh, demographic of people from everybody else. And really, you know, we've done ourselves a disservice that way by doing that. But I think that's the first thing to talk about mm -hmm. when we talk about this issue. Well, but how do you, it, it's part of the problem because, um, that's such a, an abnormal behavior in, in, well, really in nature even. Um, that it feels so much different. I mean, if someone, if a guy and a girl are living together before they're married, or maybe they don't plan to get married, um, on the outside, without knowing those details, you would never think anything otherwise. Right. But you have two guys that are, you know, walking around the street holding hands, playing the same part. 
visually that's different. Do you think that has a lot to do with it? It's just the straight visual of it? You know, I, I think even more than that, it's, I think we're, we're in a changing culture and, you know, our culture, you know, there may be something to what you have to say, Craig, and, you know, something maybe we may circle back to you later, but I think our culture by and large is coming from a place where, um, you know, that was a taboo that was unaccepted right. for so long that all of a sudden we're in a place where, you know, it, obviously the, the movement's happening and people are coming out of the closet and it's not even as an issue like it used to be. And I think it's more of a cultural shift for us that makes it such a shock maybe to us or makes it out of the ordinary. You know, I'm thinking back to times in history, you know, like the Roman Empire, for instance, you know, where uh, homosexuality was a little more normalized. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think back to some of those first church fathers who were writing letters to Christians in the Roman Empire. And I think, man, is, you know, when they're talking about homosexuality, is it is it just one of the, you know, because they kind of list sins at times, you know, the, the Apostle Paul would list, he'd have lists of sins yeah. um, that he'd talk about, you know, the fruits of the flesh or whatever it happened to be. And homosexuality was listed in with all these other ones. And so I'm, I, I wonder sometimes, like, was it more normal for them? Because that was just the culture that they lived in versus, you know, this is a shift in culture for us. Mm, and it's right. more of a shock that way. Yeah. So, um, but you know, the other part, the other point that you bring up, Craig, it, that might be part of it. You know, the, uh, the nature of it and the fact that, uh, it isn't a natural, a natural fit necessarily, uh, that might have something to do with it too. Do we, uh, we uh, general, the, the church, do we, um, have an obligation to bring people in, like allow people to come into our churches and not set them down and lay out scripture. Uh, it, I mean, it, at some point you yeah. can't w drag someone in the door and then beat them over the head. Right. But right. at the same time, you know, uh, th there's gotta be a balance there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And the way that, you know, I think the way that that looks ideally, and I'm, I'm going to speak a lot from uh, our church and what we do just because, okay. you know, I, I think sometimes general people generalize, you know, the church quote mm -hmm. unquote, and, you know, I'm just going to talk maybe about where we're at. But um, I think you, you, you bring someone in, you, you, I mean, obviously uh, Jesus came to save the lost. That was his mission statement. I came to seek and save the lost. And Jesus was someone who was accused on several occasions of hanging out with drunkards and prostitutes and tax collectors who were the worst kind of people in that culture uh, and sinners. You know, he was he was a man who didn't put roadblocks in the way of anyone getting to him. It didn't matter what their social mm -hmm. standing was. It didn't matter what religious people necessarily thought of them. And so, you know, obviously with Jesus as our example we are going to, I mean, we, we want them to access Jesus. We believe that the greatest change comes when they're in the presence of Jesus Christ. And so um, we've had a couple instances where we've had homosexual couples. Uh, we had one man uh, just as an individual, he wasn't a couple necessarily, but uh, it started coming to our church and um, you know, it's, we sell it. We didn't celebrate their sin, but we celebrated the fact that they were in and amongst us mm -hmm. and they were experiencing the presence of God. Now, at some point, do you have to sit down and does that confrontation have to come? Uh, yeah, I think it does. You know, I guess ideally how that would look is when they're spending time in the presence of God. Because, again, I mean, it's it's not just homosexuality. It's any sin, um, you know, because we have people that come in the door who are living together. 
And, you know, we have to have a time where we sit down with them. And, and a lot of times that looks like when they want to go get married, right. uh, they'll come to us as pastors. And then we have that opportunity to say, look, mm-hmm. um, you know, what you're doing right now isn't God's design. It's not healthy for you. And it's it goes against his commands. Um, and so, you know, you're not going to be, you know, we're not going to marry you until you make some changes. Or uh, we also had another couple that came to us and said, hey, we'd love to be a part of the leadership team. And that's another place where we have an opportunity to confront people in love and just right. say, hey, look, um, you know, we'd love to have you with us. You're always going to be welcome here. But if you want to rise up to that level of leadership, there's some standards that you're going to have to adhere to. And and here they are. And, and by and large, people respond to that very well. Right. And so, you know, it's that thing of, yes, there does need to be that confrontation, but that timing of that confrontation um, you know, ideally that would happen as they get, as they get to know the Lord and the Lord starts speaking to them and dealing with them, or maybe on a Sunday morning, there's a scripture that happens to come up that, you know, hits them in that area where, uh, their lives aren't consistent with that scripture. And then that would, you know, they would make that change on their own or, but if it doesn't, you know, if it comes to that place, then we have to be sensitive enough to know when is the right time to jump in because ultimately we love people, you right. know, and, and true loving people is not just letting them continue to go down a path that's going to lead them to destruction. You know, God gave us commands. God gave us, uh, you know, all these reasons in the Bible are all these ways to live. Should I put it that way um, <laughs> in the Bible? And the reason that he did that was because he loves us. Mm-hmm. It wasn't out of out of, you know, I want to control your life. I want to make you miserable while you're here on this earth. So let me just find everything that's pleasurable and I'm going to take that away from you. You know, um, ultimately it was God's love that gave us these commandments. And we understand that in those commandments, if we live within the boundaries of those commandments, we're living the absolute best life that we can. And we're going to live that life that Jesus talked about in John 10, 10, when he said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you to the fullest. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense, you know, so so we have to be really careful about that, about when that confrontation takes place. And we have to really be smart uh, about when that confrontation takes place. And the other thing that we want to do, Craig, is we, we need to make sure where we strive, I guess, at our church to make sure that we've built um, enough trust in that person to be able to have the right to be heard in their life. And, uh, you know, not just coming at them when we don't have a relationship and telling them what they're doing is wrong. Uh, but you know, when we have that trust built up and we've really taken time to love them, uh, to the point where we've earned their trust, you know, and mm-hmm. we've built that bridge so that we can walk across that bridge with them, uh, you know, to where it's not going to fall in because we haven't taken the time to, to build that trust. So, that's what, that's where we want to be. Do you have, um, I mean, I, I would assume that there's a standard for any kind of, um, like volunteer position within the church. I mean, you have to be at some level, you need to be living a certain kind of life. Am I right in that for you guys specifically? Yeah. Yeah, there is. And, you know, I guess honest, and to be honest with you, that looks different at different levels. Um, you know, we're experiencing a cultural shift right now. And one of the, one of the differences that we've seen in that shift is people, they want to be able to, uh, you know, it used to be that we have to say, you have to believe like us to become like us Mm -hmm. uh, or to belong with us. And now that shift is more of, Hey, I want to, I want to belong with you guys. I want to be able to jump in with you guys while I'm exploring what it is that I actually believe. And so we have to leave a little bit of room for that. So how does that break down? You know, practically speaking, well, if someone wants to be a greeter and I might know that they have an issue in their, in their life that they need to deal with, um, that's a great opportunity for me to bring that up to them. But I'm not going to put the same level or same standard on someone who's going to greet people at the door 
as I as I am, maybe uh, someone who leads lead our small group. Groups. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Or a teacher. Yeah. You know, right. if I'm talking about someone at that level, you better be living it out if you're going to be able to teach somebody else. And so basically, it boils down like this at our church: any leadership position that you have influence over other people, you are going to have to, you know, your life is going to be have to be right. 100% on track and we're going to make sure that it's there and we're going to have a pretty lengthy interview mm-hmm. to make sure that that's taking place. Now, if you want to be a greeter, uh, we have what we call, they were ushers, we call them hosts. If you want to, you know, serve maybe in the, in the tech area of the church, um, you know, I'm probably not going to ask as much from you in that area. You know what I'm saying? And so that's, that's the standard, I guess there's, there, there are some written standards that we have, but you know, by and large, that's how we look at it. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I know like I'm thinking back to, uh, recently Hillsong, New York city, uh, with Carl Lentz. I know he got, uh, kind of lamb blasted <laughs> because he had a, yeah. he had a, 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 a homosexual that was a part of the choir. Right. And, uh, people just really came unglued on him for that. And, uh, um, and I, I think at one point I, and I may get my story confused here, but they said he was the, the head of the choir. Uh, and I think later on they said that he wasn't head of the choir, but he was a part of the choir and he got mm. a lot of flack for that. Right. Um, but you know, as I'm looking at that, uh, you know, sometimes it takes people being around the presence of God, uh, for their lives to change. You know, we don't expect that from someone who is, you know, if they're even people that are living together, um, you know, we don't necessarily confront them right off the bat. We wait for that timing to be right, if that makes sense. Well, so how, um, how do we as I mean, because the majority of I mean, especially in our case in Millbank and you, you have connection to this town. So you understand a little bit about how Millbank is. Um, yeah. The typical demographic in a church looks at the that alternative lifestyle as something icky and so if you put someone at a in a door to greet people as they walk in that is they're clearly in that um how how do we change the culture i guess of how we think to say these people are walking through their relationship just like the person who has a lust issue yeah absolutely um, and that's a good question. And I think it's, it's a couple of things. And, and I think the majority of it comes from the leadership. Honestly, I think there's a vision or a, not, maybe not even a vision, but there's gotta be an understanding that's continually hammered home that, you know, we love people and, uh, we love people in spite of their sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love, we love people enough not to leave them in their sin. Uh, we love people enough to challenge them, but, um, we're not going to put any roadblocks between them and Jesus because Jesus is the one who really does the changing. And so it's got to be, I think, a continual uh, challenging people from the platform and, you know, working it into things like sermons or, you know, if there's an, an opportunity that you see or a conversation that starts to go south, um, you know, on the, on the subject and you can bring correction back there. Those things are continually building culture in the church. And so anytime that that uh, you know, without forcing it or shoehorning that idea in anytime that that can be spoken from the front or that can be spoken from a leadership level on down. I think that's mm-hmm. where the change starts when you're dealing, when you're talking about helping to deal people deal with their perceptions. One of the issues that we've talked about recently is, um, you know, what do you do if someone who's transgender comes in and, you know, you have a, a man who uh, wants to be a woman or is dressing mm-hmm. like a woman, uh, or transvestite, or I don't even really understand the that's terms. That's the wrong but I think word <laughs> what tra- you can't say transvestite no anymore? i don't think so huh? oh what is it What's uh, the well word? um tranny on, L- <laughs> lgbt i think is the yeah. correct word <laughs> so they just kind of you lump it all together I, well, yeah it's weird i don't know 
So you got a man who wants who's dressed like a woman. Uh, right. And, you know, wh- what do you do? What do you do when they want to use the women's bathroom? Um, you know, those are the kinds of issues that we're trying we're starting to face as as a church. And it's something that has changed even since I've been in ministry, which has been about, uh, you know, the, probably about the last 18, 19 years I've been in ministry. Mm-hmm. That's been a major change is those are things we never thought of when I first started ministry. And now we have to think about things like bathrooms and uh, what we're going to do if this scenario presents itself right. in the church. So, I mean, where has that conversation gone? Like in, in internally, if you can talk about that, where, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, yeah, what, I what have you guys been, um, like, what is the standard now? Yeah. So, uh, you know, that particular question was poised to us. Uh, we, and I'll be honest, I guess we have dealt with that one time. Uh, we had an individual come in dressed as a woman, um, who wanted to use a women's restroom. And, um, you know, Turns in that out it was instance, Pastor Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's, I don't think he's tried that quite yet, oh, but, uh, you know, you don't, you don't let anything go past him. Right. But, <laughs> Uh, there was a guy who came in and, uh, you know, in that, in that scenario, there was a discernment that happened that this guy really doesn't, uh, it's not that he has a desire to be a woman. Um, you know, he's just got a perversion issue. Mm. And so, you know, in that case, you know, we, we got some of our elders and, uh, they, you know, they said, you know, you, you need to have, you need to, you need to leave basically. And I, I think we might've even called the cops that time too. Okay. Um, but you know, as we talked about it, you know, what if someone who, who and again, I, he, his, in his case, it wasn't that he desired to be a woman. He just wanted to sneak a peek, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but what if you have someone coming in, they really, you know, they really are confused. Right. gender wise what do you do and so um a couple things that we've done for that uh one honestly we're changing our physical building uh we right now we have men's and women's restrooms uh we're moving three of we're moving two of our current restrooms into the the plan right now is to move them into three restrooms which will be um family bathrooms you know so that if it's we have single, an individual who comes single in stalls. Sing, single stall bathrooms mm-hmm. yeah so they can come in and um you know if they have if if, if they're confused or if they're going that way we can say hey um, you know, would you consider using one of our single stall bathrooms because we have that as an, as something that's available? Um, something else that we've done, Craig, because there's also people that we know that come in with agendas, you know, unfortunately, right, but, right. uh, we've seen, you know, homosexuals that will come in and heckle pastors, uh, you know, Looking just trying to come in and just, yeah, causing trouble. And so in order to, uh, you know, stem that tide, so to speak, um, some of the things we've even changed some of our bylaws, uh, within the last year. So that so that we can define marriage the way that the Bible defines marriage and we can define gender uh, the way that we believe the Bible defines gender so that if there is a question, there's actually a legal document that backs that backs up our decision. And, you know, it's unfortunate that we need to do that. But, um, you know, with the way that the legal system is, there's a lot of people that have an agenda in the homosexual community and they're using the legal system to push that agenda. And so we thought, you know, if we ever find ourselves on the other side of that, mm-hmm. we, we want to be protected. Does that. creating bylaws like that, does that actually uh, hold up in the court system? Well, well, if we go to court, I guess I'll let you find know. out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I and, and I don't know, but I guess the when we when we were talking about it, that question came up. We said, you know, anything that we can do on our end right, to just make right. sure that to we're preempt some of this. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, well, I I think it's unfortunately a real conversation that has to be had because the way the society is going, um. It's now, you know, and what do you teach your kids? You know, wh- where do yeah. you go? How, because I'm not going to teach my children that behavior is right. right. Um, but I also don't want my kids to 
shun that. But then at the same yeah. time, it, it's so it's so weird and so counter um, nature almost that I, at some level, I want to keep my children from experiencing some of that, just because it's so like I don't want it to be normalized. Similar to how I don't drag my children around a bunch of drunk people, because right. I don't think that's a good atmosphere to be around. Right. So, you know, and I think there's a I think there's a little bit of a difference, though, when you're talking about people who are going out in a bar to get drunk because, you know, they want to get drunk uh, versus someone who really is seeking God, who is coming to a church, per se. Um, you know, I think if anything, Craig, that's a teaching opportunity. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what we try to tell. You know, it, it, we have a Wednesday night program and we have some pretty rough kids from our uh, community that come in. We bus in 30 some odd kids, you know, and they come from you know, broken homes and, and, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. And, and they do things that aren't kosher, you know, and we've had to have some conversations. And again, it goes back to setting the culture. Right, and, right. um, we've had to have conversations with our parents and say, you know, um, if you're going to have one of the metaphors we use is if you're going to have sheep around, um, every time you got sheep, you got manure to deal with, you know? And so sometimes you deal with the manure of, of people and, um, but at the same time, again, you know, they're here. It's, it's just taking an opportunity to teach them the context of love. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, letting them know that, hey, um, you know, they're, they're here because they need Jesus. They're broken. Uh, they have issues. And the way that they're living um, right now isn't isn't what isn't what Jesus wants for them. Jesus wants the best, but they're here seeking him. And so, you know, we're going to we're going to do everything we can to make sure that there's that they can make the connection with him. So I think it's actually a really good teaching opportunity, you know, and I've, I've used the the uh, example before too, like with my kids, I, I, I want to, I don't want them to see everything that there is on TV. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, I don't mind them watching a show with some stuff in it if I'm there. And I can say, um, hey, guys, what's going on in this right. show? Because ult ultimately, um, they're going to have to function and they're going to have to live in this world. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're going to have to reach this next generation uh, f for Jesus. And, you know, we're going to have to help them guide them, because if we shelter them through that entire process, they're not going to know how to handle it. And, uh, you know, I don't want to I don't want to create Pharisees. I don't want to create religious people who look down on everyone, uh, because let's face it right now, the homosexual movement um, they're picking up speed, you right. know, and, um, there's gonna, there's going to be more and more, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately the way it's going, I think that's what's going to happen. But, um, we have to teach them how to navigate this new world. Uh, I think they're going to do it better than we do, uh, just because it's been more normal than it is for us growing up. But at the same time, we need to teach them how to navigate it. And what better time to do that while they're under our supervision and our care so that we can guide them through that process yeah. and, and help them to learn that. Uh, one thing I was thinking, <clears throat> um, there's this sense of radical authenticity that's in our culture that if you feel a certain way that you need to be authentic and take it wherever it leads. Um, mm. <clears throat> and um, we have so many people that think that way, but on the other hand, I remember in high school and, and a lot of uh, the adults that I really appreciated um, were the ones that told me the truth. But when I walked away, they I didn't sense that they thought any different of me if I was acting up or if I was acting stupid or, or something. And it seems to me that one of the biggest things as a church we have to be willing to do is say no to things no to behavior, no to, 
to whatever it is, but at the same time not not shirking back at loving and accepting loving the person because they're a person. Um, and uh, I I'm I'm concerned about the churches. It it feels so much uh, like they're enable like a like a the uh, the wife or husband of an alcoholic who's enabling their husband or wife to act a certain way by agreeing or, or going along with it. Um, well, I, I think that's pretty obvious in like the some of the Methodist worlds and some of the Lutheran worlds where they are ratifying and um, uh, affirming in their like bylaws that, you know, if, if you identify with that lifestyle, then you are um, equally right under God's law. And I think that becomes a, a bigger issue. Um, I mean, if, if you have a, a, a body that says you, um, you know, you don't, this is unacceptable behavior to God, but we're going to love you as you work through that. That's one thing. But to say that, yeah, everyone's good. Our church has ruled. We've deemed that it's good now. What you're doing is acceptable and good. I think that's a whole different thing. But I think it's really easy to do one of two things, either demonize them mm-hmm. or accept them completely. And I think that we're called to uh, to set a standard, mm-hmm. but love while you're setting the standard. So if there is a person who's who's struggling with it, you love them the best that you can, but then there's a standard and like he was saying, how do you work that out? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's where, where we have a hard time. It, you know, it's, it's such a balancing actually, because like, I think what you're saying is exactly right. Um, and I think there's a balance between those two ideas that, you know, you don't fully, uh, you don't fully accept sin lifestyle. And, and again, it goes back to, um, making someone understand that the reason that we, we can't accept that lifestyle is because, you know, God, not not just because God, for, well, yeah, because God forbid it, but the reasoning behind or the heart behind why God forbid this in the first place, you know, and I take people often back to the Ten Commandments, you know, and I say, okay, here's the Ten Commandments, and let's take, for example, you know, you should not commit adultery, you shouldn't have sex outside of marriage. Um, why did God tell us that? You know, why did God give us that commandment? Well, his whole heart behind it was a heart of love for his creation. Because think about this. Think about if no one had sex outside of marriage, I'm talking before they got married, after they got married, think of what that would do to the AIDS epidemic in the world. Mm-hmm. It would be gone within two generations. And so you got to frame the idea of, uh, I think for us, a key has been framing the idea of homosexuality. Um, you know, God forbid it, but not just to God forbid it, but he forbid it for a purpose. You know, there's there's consequences. It, it wasn't the way that God had designed uh, humanity to work. It, it was a perversion of uh, of sorts of the enemy. And so, you know, it's not again not keeping you from pleasure, not keeping you from um, you know what you desire, what you want. It's more about putting you on a place where you're going to be able to live the absolute best existence and the fullest life that you can. So, do you feel, uh, and maybe that's the wrong way to say it, but do you think that uh, if someone is genuinely interested in getting to know God, they will then, I mean, their mind will open? Yeah, I, I absolutely. Because, you know, there's those people that are, 
set in their ways. And you can tell exact, you know, you can tell when you get in a conversation with them if they're really seeking. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I think when they're really seeking, yeah, their mind and their heart is open and they're asking a lot of questions. And those are the kind of people um, that I'm looking for, you know, uh, because I don't want to debate necessarily. Um, I, I could, I could debate with you, but I don't really want to debate cause that doesn't really get anywhere. But if there's people that are genuinely seeking, yeah, their hearts are open. Um, and, and their hearts, are they open to that change? Um, you know, to, to, to just shut everything down. I think if, if they truly are seeking God and if they've truly made steps in that relationship, then yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Jesus calls every single one of us to change. And, and, you know, here's another thing that we haven't talked about, but always comes up in the homosexual conversation is, you know, is this something that I'm, that I'm born with? Um, I can't help, you know, the fact that I have same sex tendencies and, you know, that's a conversation or, uh, an excuse that I hear a lot from uh, right. the homosexual community. What am I supposed to do with that? You know, and I guess my response, my answer to that is, man, I've, uh, I, I was, uh, the the pastor from Saddleback, his name escapes me right now. Rick Bill Warren. I, oh, Rick Warren. Yeah, Rick Warren. Yeah, yeah. Rick Warren. Um, he. I love the way he said. He said, "Yeah, my you know my natural tendency, <laughs> my body wants to go have sex with other women besides my wife." Right. But I don't. And you don't you know? exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't indulge those appetites. And so, can can you have same sex attractions and still be a Christian? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, each one of us has appetites. It's when you decide to feed those appetites. Um, you know, that's when your relationship with God is going to be strained. And that's when you're going to, you know, when you start going your own way, that's when you start walking uh, the opposite direction from God. And that's where the relationship becomes sticky in that area. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, in this whole prep up to this, the thought of having this conversation, I've been talking to different people and trying to really trying to figure out what the question is. Um, Because, I mean, we can spend all day discussing and showing why, uh, homosexuality may not be the right thing to do, uh, or being transgender. What what is the actual underlying problem with this? But the real question is, how do we? I mean, for me, what does it look like when we come to a church? And and does the visual when other guests come in, the people greeting them, the people ushering, taking their money, um, should they have a certain standard? Because they are now the face of our of of the body of Christ in our, and in that, our building. that's a question. That's what a question that I had. Uh, it seems to me that I and I, I was going to ask you about how you do it in your church, but it it seems to me that there has to be uh, some kind of standard. Because what if uh, a friendly Satanist who doesn't who who hates God but loves Satan and just for whatever reason you. It, he just likes handing out bulletins. If he comes into your church and wants to hand out bulletins, I'm sure you know there'd be a standard. You, I'm sorry, you can't do that. So what what are the standards? And I know you kind of talked about it that you kind of had a tiered sure. tiered approach to it. I mean, yeah. I would imagine that they would have to be a professed believer in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, and, and part of it too is, well, you know, and it's, again, it goes back to this idea of belonging before you become, and that, that uh, I'll be honest, that can get a little sticky. Mm -hmm. Um, and that gets a little bit messy, but, um, by and large we, uh, you know, so, okay, let's, let me take your example of the Satanists. You know, if a Satanist is coming in and uh, they're friendly, they want to hand out bulletins, they probably have an agenda. Um, and anyone who has an agenda, um, you know, if anyone who's going to do, you know, so I'll take, for example, this guy who was a uh, homosexual that, that we dealt with, um, eventually, um, uh, I don't, I'm trying to think back. I don't think he ever had a ministry position 
Um, but there was, there were some conversations that had to be had because at times he had an agenda. And, uh, so when that was discerned, you know, then when it becomes an issue where it's going to disrupt the unity of the church, um, that's where we need to step in as that's where we would step in as pastors and say, uh, something needs to happen. You know, things need to change or you're going to have to go your own way. Did, uh, uh, did, did he either change or move on? You know, uh, unfortunately this individual ended up in prison, oh. <laughs> uh, for some Whoops. things that were okay. you know, completely outside of that. But, yeah. um, you know, he, every time he was confronted, he did change. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, t- I'll say that, uh, towards the end of his time at our church, you know, he was starting to get to a place where he just, just wasn't following. It wasn't even trying, you know, he was really kind of going his own way. Yeah. And so that became, that became, again, it's, it was an issue between him and the Lord, but, you know, going back to the, uh, the leadership or having a greeter and usher and, Craig, you made a, a statement, you know, what is that? How does that, does that become the face of our church? Um, you know, again, if, if I'm in a place where I have someone who doesn't have an agenda, they genuinely are seeking the Lord and, and, you know, we're pretty good. I, I think at discerning those things, because one of the things that we do, I guess, is a buffer against, uh, you know, that, uh, another thing I guess I didn't mention is we, we make people have a six-month waiting period before they get involved in any kind of ministry in our mm-hmm. church. That gives us an opportunity to watch their lives a little right. bit. And generally speaking, you know, unless someone's really trying to pull the wool over our eyes, which doesn't happen very often, we can pretty well discern, you know, are they seeking God? Are they really... Um, are, are they really happy to be here? Are they really all in or are they just playing a game? Yeah. You know, and, and at, so at the end of that six month period, uh, we have a pretty good idea. And if, it, so if someone is generally seeking God and they really want to feel, a, you know, belong and, and be a part, um, again, it, that, that opportunity for them to be a part of leadership, uh, again, we do have tiered standards, but, um, that gives us an opportunity again for discipleship because it gives us, they're, they're coming to us saying, I want to be a true. part. Yeah. It does really open say. that door easier and have has it, them open the door yeah you know and, and one of the cool things about that is i've had so many great conversations because that's one of the things that i do um as my exec we talked about that's right. my executive role is <laughs> that's, so one of the things i get to do is uh is i'm head of the ministries and so i've had some great conversations with people uh i've talked to people that were living together i pe- talked to people that were uh you know heavy into alcohol and it is a good discipleship opportunity for me to sit down with them because they're coming to me and saying what do i need to do to be a part and yeah. i can say this is what you need to do now again if we're going back i know i didn't really answer the question necessarily uh, but if i have someone who's struggling with same-sex tendencies i know that they're seeking god and there's there's proof and there's fruit in their life that they're seeking after the lord um, and they really want to be a part and they really want to be involved i probably would let them um, you know, I probably would let them, I probably would have some good conversation mm-hmm. with them and we would probably set up some, some, uh, you know, maybe a plan for the future, or maybe right. an opportunity for them to check in with me and, you know, regularly. So I know kind of what's going on in their lives and make sure that there's progression happening, um, in their walk with the Lord. And then we always reserve that right too to take people out of leadership and that sure, can be yeah. for anything, you know, any, any issues that come up, um, that can happen too. So, uh, you so, know, again, though, it's it's just walking that balance, mm-hmm. you know, and Craig, you said that could be the face of our church. And in some ways, I, I kind of hope that that is the face of our church, because I really at the end of the day, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. It wasn't the healthy that needed the doctor. Right. He said it's the sick that need a doctor. And, you know, without compromising our beliefs and not with without compromising the word of God, which we never do. Um, I want to be able to love people. Everything short of sin. Peanut gallery thoughts. What do you do with the the man? Who was born a male, and he comes to you and says, "That's true. I was I was born a man, but 
now I'm a girl and I don't have a problem with that. <clears throat> I'm comfortable with that. I think that's the way God made me. And I love God and I want to be part of this church, part of the leadership. What do you do with that guy? Not somebody yeah. not somebody that thinks, well, yeah, I'm struggling with this issue. I'm not struggling at all. I'm just I'm now a girl. Yeah. What do you do with it? Yeah. That's a good question. Um, you know, if someone is is in that scenario, um, and they're coming to me and they're asking me that question, good the chances are probably pretty high that they're not going to end up in any kind of a leadership position. Um, because part of the leadership position or part of what I'm doing with leadership is I'm looking for people who are willing to grow. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so in that case, it's, it's going to be a confrontation in love. Uh, it's going to be a confrontation, uh, using the word, you know, affirming the fact that we, we love them and they can be a part of our church body, but you know, until they're ready to make steps in that direction and there's probably not, they're probably not going to be a part. And, so, and that guess, really is where good biblical leadership, I mean, that's your job. Yeah. It's interesting just being in Millbank and getting to know some of the other churches and some of the, the leaderships. There are a number of facilities in our building or in our, in our uh, community that have the opposite view. And I guess that's up to them, but, but it intrigues me a little bit that, that you can have the same Bible <laughs> and have 180 degree <laughs> views on the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, that that's a Republican Democrat yeah, thing also. I, I was thinking about this. <clears throat> um, in order for you to know where you're going, you have to know where you're at. So if you took a person and dropped them off at some unknown location in the world where they had no idea where they're at and you gave them a map and you pointed them to the direction where they want to go and say, go at it, they're never going to get there because they're starting from the wrong or they don't even have any clue on where they're starting from. So you could have two people with a map, mm. and one can actually know where they're going, and the other one have absolutely no clue. You've been in leadership in that church for... Seven years. Seven years, okay. Has that really changed much? I mean, other than this, this current thing you guys are actually writing into your bylaws, has there really yeah. been much change? Um, you know, in the seven years that I've been there, no. Mm -hmm. Um in the 20 years that I've been, almost 20 years that I've been in ministry, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's one of the biggest changes. Two big, two big things that have happened. One is uh, the legalities and the lawsuits that we face on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the other, the other has been the homosexual shift. That's, those have been the two big things that I've noticed. Um, and the digital res revolution too. That's kind of been a big yeah. deal. But um, those have been the two big ones though, the two big issues that uh, I've noticed a shift in since I've been in ministry for the last 19 or so years. Not that you're dying, but any last words? <laughs> <laughs> no, I kind of want to hear that, that barking clip again. If, if you got that one queued up, I'd love to hear that again. <laughs> Absolutely. That uh, the the almost president of the United States. What was the context behind that one? It was an ad that she heard or she said she heard when she was a little kid. Whenever whenever this dog would oh. bark, that was when somebody was lying. Yes. <laughs> and so she Yeah, and this dog he would bark, barf, 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 and she sounded exactly like a dog. <laughs> it's just so good. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I feel like you could make a really good remix. <laughs> oh with man, that clip. yeah, that would be great. Yes, 
No, I think I'm going to head out, awesome. guys. But cool. Th- thanks thank for, you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Good, thank man. you. I appreciate you. This is, uh, this is like a super legit setup. I thought it was just going to be like you and me, um, <laughs> you know, you in the studio, but you it's you got the whole crew. Oh, whole so, contraire. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm sitting here in my painting clothes right now, feeling like I'm underdressed for the that's occasion. That's why you and, didn't want your camera on. You no. added some class to the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right, right. No, no, you added the class yeah. to the show. <laughs> Uh, it's just because I carry the title of executive. It just Absolutely, brings it yeah. up another level. Uh-huh. I get that. Yep. You uh, you are more than welcome to come back on anytime. And, you know, since you do have some connection to this town, the next time you're here, you need to come in studio. We'll do this. Yeah, totally. So, totally. Let's do it. Love to do awesome. it. Excellent. Well, thanks, man. Right. Appreciate it. Have see a good you, one. Okay. Yep. Yep. See you guys. Thanks. Yep. This, is, this is the David Allen Show. DavidAllenShow.com. In the midnight hour. Did any of you pay attention to the Peter Strozak um, um, thing uh, hearing on the uh, the Capitol Hill? Peter Struck as the as actual name, but if you listen to one of the Democrats, Mr. Strozak, Mr. Strozak, right to his face. Uh, I know Trey Gowdy got a little... Ooh, that was actually some of the best theater I've seen at, from... Uh, from the Capitol Hill in a long time, hmm. but Louis Gomart, Gomart, Louis Gomart, mm-hmm. uh, from is he from Texas? No, mm. s- yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think he has Texas. Yeah, <clears throat> he might have gone overboard. I didn't see that at all. Any 
FBI agent and Republican members of Congress. Nothing but the truth, so help you God. Nothing. Peter Strzok, who led the Hillary Clinton email investigation and then was assigned to special counsel Robert Mueller's Trump-Russia investigation, didn't back down when Republicans accused him of improper bias. If you want to represent what you said accurately, I'm happy to answer that question, but I don't appreciate what was originally said being changed. I don't appreciate having an FBI agent with an unprecedented level of animus working on two major investigations during 2016. Strzok and former FBI lawyer Lisa Page, while having an extramarital affair, exchanged thousands of personal text thousands messages over their work cell phones in 2015 and 16, including some that were critical of Trump as well as some Democrats. Not once in my 26 years of defending our nation did my personal opinions impact any official action I took. Question one he said stop it in reply to Page asking about Trump winning the election. The suggestion that I in some dark chamber somewhere in the FBI would somehow cast aside all of these procedures, all of these safeguards, and the proposition that that is going on, that it might occur anywhere in the FBI, deeply corrodes what the FBI is in American society, the effectiveness of their mission, and it is deeply destructive. Before the combative testimony, Democrats used their time to show pictures of all the people who have already pleaded guilty in Mueller's Russia probe. Let me underscore, these are not allegations. Let me underscore. Let me underscore. These are admissions. Mr. Cummings. Most Republicans have also demanded <laughs> testimony from Lisa Page. And after some back and forth, she has agreed to a closed-door interview tomorrow. Serena Marshall, ABC News, Washington. The, the, I'm looking for Louis Gohmert. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, so tell me if he went overboard. That would be right here, Mr. Strzok. Mr. Strzok. You said earlier in this hearing you were concerned about a hostile foreign power affecting our election. You recall the intelligence community inspector general, Chuck McCulloch. He kind of, I think he, he gets so riled up he sounds like an old drunk guy. Having an investigation into an anomaly found on Hillary Clinton's emails. I do not. Well, let me reflect, refresh your recollection. Let me reflect your recollection. <laughs> the intelligence community, Inspector General Chuck McCulloch, sent his investigator, Frank Rucker, we've got we've, we've got along with an ICIG attorney, Jeanette McMillan, to brief you and Dean Chappelle and two other FBI personnel that I won't name at this time about an anomaly they had found on Hillary Clinton's emails that were going to and from the private unauthorized server that you were supposed to be investigating. Now, do you remember it? I remember meeting Mr. Rucker on either one or two occasions. I do not remember. Uh, one on, sorry, this kind of just keeps wandering on for a minute. But one of the things that I've uh, found Mr. and noticed Rucker from old Strozak is he looks like an arrogant jerk. In the presence yes. of the IC, yep. IG he just has that attorney. thing about him. Do you know Russia's new name that for it? Struck smirk. Because it was, um, <laughs> what was it? Stroke struck. Yeah, stroke struck. That's right. It's stroke struck smirk now. Okay, Gomert. It was going to an unauthorized source that was a foreign entity unrelated to Russia. And from what you've said here, you did nothing more than nod and shake the man's hand when you didn't seem to be all that concerned 
about our national integrity of our election when it was involving Hillary Clinton. So the forensic examination Come on, Louis. was done by the ICIG, and they can document that, mm -hmm. but you were given that information and you did nothing with it. And one of the things I found most egregious with Mr. Horowitz's testimony, and by the way, Horowitz got a call four times by someone wanting to brief him, leaving messages telling him about this, and he never returned the call. He had 500 pages of bias that he gave us, and then he threw a bone to the Democrats and said, but we can't find bias. And let me tell you, when you have text messages, Mr. Strzok, the way you do, saying look the at him. He just looks did, like a you'd been better off coming in here and say, look, that was my bias. And you kind of get around to that a little bit when you say, hey, uh, you know, everybody's got political views. Those are called biases, and we all have them. And you have come in here and said, I had no bias. And you do it with a straight face. Yeah, okay, right I here. watched you in the, in the private testimony you gave. And I told some of the other guys, he is really good. He's lying. He knows we know he's lying. And he could probably pass a polygraph. Point. It's amazing. Mr. Chairman. Point of order. Now, this is my Mr. Time. Chairman, I'm sorry. I, point of order. Paused. This point, point of order. No. The general state is point of order. The, a member of this committee just asserted that this witness who is under oath and a former agent of the FBI lied. There is no evidence that I ask him to withdraw it. I do so know. I find it interesting, though, throughout this entire thing, old, what's his name, Ciceline, Mr. Ciceline from somewhere, he was like old Strzok's, like, protection. Him, Sheila Jackson Lee, some other lady I haven't heard of before, they were like, they're ready to pounce. Anytime anyone, any Republican started digging deep, oh, point of order, point of they order, wanted, everyone. They wanted to give him the Purple Heart. <laughs> I guess they said that. He deserves a purple He is not a member of Congress. It's not a violation of the rule. And just as you have been expressing bias through your members about what a hero There's not a single person on this committee who has ever characterized a witness Gentleman from Rhode Island. Gentlemen. Rhode Island. Gentlemen from Rhode Island will suspend. No, the disgrace is what this man has done. The gentleman from Texas will suspend for a moment. is the disgrace. And it uh, won't, no, he won't be recaptured anytime soon because of the damage you've done to the justice system. And I've talked to FBI agents around the country. You've embarrassed them. You've embarrassed yourself. And I can't help but wonder when I see you looking there uh -oh. with a little smirk. Here it is. How many times did you look so innocent into your wife's eye and lie to her about uh, Lisa? Mr. Chairman, this is outrageous. Woo! Yeah! Shame on you, Mr. I'm moving to Texas so I can vote for him. Mr. Chairman, this is intolerable harassment of the witness. What's wrong with that? You need your medication. The gentleman controls the time. I ask that the witness be permitted to respond. He will be permitted. He will be permitted to respond. Did you ever talk to Hillary Clinton? During your investigation, besides the one question... Look at the smirk on old Strozak's face. Well, because he's embarrassed. Do you see those yeah. little devil horns it's that go weird. up on his face? Yeah. He looks evil. Yeah. He thinks he's untouchable. Well, he yeah, is. You mentioned... Nothing's going to yeah. happen to him. Before that or after that to this day. Point of order, Mr. Chairman.
Point of order, Mr. Point of order, Chairman. Mr. Chairman. The gentleman of state is point of order. It is... Okay, I am so sick and tired of this par- parliamentary bullcrap that goes on in our Congress. Yep. My good friend from South the, Carolina. These guys, this is Mr. Nadler. He's the, the, the minority, whatever they call him, the, the next the head monkey whip? on the other side, on, on the minority side. What do they uh, call that? The chairman, then there's the minority leader. The whip? No, 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 no. No, opposite. No. He, Mr. Nadler, he's on the Democrats. He, he would be the chair of the committee if they held, if they had the majority. Anyway. Okay. And no, Goodlatte is the chairman here. They're sitting six inches from each other. And Nadler, point of order. And old Goodlatte, the gentleman will state his point. Really? Just turn and say what? What is it you want? Well, Robert's rule of order I don't care. I don't care. Allow that. The rules of the House. Remember the committee to be impugning the character of a witness. It is he should, not. He should ask questions to elicit. The purpose of this hearing is to elicit information. He should ask questions to elicit information. He should not be impugning the character. Holy cow. Hello. He needs to listen. Anytime the Democrats have a Republican guy that they're trying to rip apart, they do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. These are all hypocritical jerks. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Of the witness. The gentleman is advised the rules of the House only are directed to members of the House and the President of the United States. The, Therefore, in other words, it is okay to impugn the character of witnesses in, in any way whatsoever? Well, I, I, listen, I've heard many members <laughs> on your side of the aisle impugn character of somebody who is covered by <laughs> the rules of the House. But the gentleman... No. The, 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 Look at the Struck. Gentleman, Look at Struck. Uh, has this, by the way, se- you can find this on the YouTube. It's a CNN feed. Seconds left. The clock will be turned back on, and he can complete his time, and then the witness can respond. So... If you talk to Hillary other than Hillary Clinton, other than the time she was examined in front of the witnesses? No. So after throwing away what you have with all the bias you have, you've never even gotten a thank you. I yield back. <laughs> the gentleman may respond. Okay, listen. Sir, well, that's quite a set of statements. Mr. Chairman, sure I did not respond. finish with a question. The gentleman, there was no question asked. Mr. Chairman, no he's been given the opportunity to respond. There's Cicilline again, jumping in. Uh, he needs to be given an opportunity to respond. The gentleman will suspend. The time of the gentleman has expired, and as I've indicated earlier... The rules earlier, of our hearings if, are, if there is a question asked during the time, the witness may respond to the question the after is, the time. The witness is going to be allowed to respond briefly. That's a new rule. <laughs> Sir, first. That's his own people. <laughs> I assure no you, question. under oath, as I spoke also during my interview a week or two ago, I have always told the truth. The fact that you would accuse right me here. otherwise. Listen. The fact that you would question whether or not that was the sort of look I would engage with in a family member who I have acknowledged hurting goes more to a discussion about your character and what you stand for and what is going inside you. It's to your credibility and lost your credibility. Both individuals. I have lost your credibility. While I doubt it plays well to America, The gentleman from Texas will suspend. The witness has had ample opportunity to express his feelings about that, and now the chair recognizes. The Mr. Chairman, there is a there is a discussion about the representative's first uh, assertion about what the ICIG said that I would like. This is ooh, okay. Like to respond to very briefly. Very briefly, I have no recollection of that conversation. 
I can tell you I am not a computer forensic expert. I can tell you that every allegation that we had, and ICIG was a great and close partner, every allegation that we had, whether from them or anybody else, was forwarded to experts who looked at it. The scores and scores of servers and Blackberries and emails and everything we got were combed over carefully by the FBI's experts to see if there's any indicia of injury. But you don't recall going saying, over sir, those emails, a, a correct? Lot, much Gentlemen, of what you're we'll saying, suspend. I have no idea what you're talking about, and frankly, <laughs> and the, just and the witness will wrong. suspend as well. I do not know what you're talking about. That yeah, you is just enough. Can't let a witness the, go on forever. The, when the fact <laughs> is, you never did <laughs> anything Mr. Chairman, about those. Mr. Chairman, order. order. Cicilline, Mr. Chairman. <laughs> if I was the chairman, you I didn't would. do anything wait, about it. Was the, sir, the, if there was a lead, I gave it to the team unequivocally. The gentleman, there was nothing along Mr. the Strzok, lines that will was not suspend. addressed. Well, that'll come out. Mr. Gomer, you will suspend. <laughs> oh, <laughs> political theater, everybody. Mm. Order. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm legitimately surprised that they don't have up in the chairman's where he can cut their, their. Uh, you know, I wondered about that to shut feed. the mic. That's yeah. I, they don't have that that I, that I can tell. Because they should. Well, you know why? Why? Because no one in Congress is competent enough to actually know how to use it. They'd <laughs> be shutting everyone off. It'd be like. Well, some... then you'd have a page sitting there <laughs> going, "No, dummy, it's this button. Uh, oh, cut him off. The wrong one. Push number one. Number one." Maybe C-SPAN runs those mics. Um, Ooh. I don't think so. But that was, I mean, th that was the fun of this week. Uh, Trey Gowdy also had an interesting take. This Isn't he not running for a re-election? Yeah, but he's still there ripping people apart. No, no, I mean, I, yeah, I, know. So I, he, re I respect the guy for not running for re-election. Yeah, but I heard uh, there's an open hole in the Fourth Circuit that the chances of him being uh, appointed to are great. Oh. Okay. But then, the, well, although he should have been the supreme, that wouldn't have happened. Well, yeah. Kavanaugh is there, but uh, or going to be. But then we have old, um, um, uh, what red, uh, red, blue, green, right? <laughs> Our oh, RBG. <laughs> She's oh, uh, RBG. The, the the next uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, <clears throat> the oh, next supreme Ruth justice Buzzy. that probably will. Ooh, that would be awesome. Uh, but the, he he will have to uh, replace her with uh, in kind. Why? With a woman. Otherwise, he'll oh, die. Oh, no. Coney gal. Yeah, the one that he passed over. For... Oh, the, the uber conservative? Yeah. <laughs> the only problem She's with her... 85, I think. RBG. Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> They've got her pickled so she doesn't die. <laughs> well, I heard... Well, is she alive? I heard that Frank Oz made a Muppet that looks <laughs> just like her, that she actually died 10 years ago. <laughs> No way. <clears throat> the Because mm, uh, she sounds just like Miss Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't even know what to say there. Who was it? Um, uh, good question. I, I dig into the Trey Gowdy one, but this is half an hour long. Yeah. They, got, they, got, they have five minutes. Yeah. And it went on. It was awesome because they actually, well, suspend the time. We're going to stop the time and deal with it. We had a vote at a point of order at 17. Parliamentary inquiry. Well, that's a parliamentary inquiry. Ugh. I want parliament like they have in Canada and England. You know like, some of those Fight to the death. 
the the pretty obscene emails that he sent to his girlfriend. Text messages. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the guy. He's from California. He it's Peter made King. Him, no, he made hmm. him read those. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. I would have subpoenaed his wife to have her sit next What's to him. What's his name? No, he, he cheated on her with this other chick. I know. Subpoena <laughs> the wife. No. There's no way. They're not that cruel. They're just like Gomert, like, insinuate. Which, okay, that's blow not up the a time picture to do of his it. wife next <sighs> to him. Well, like uh, old Trump did. He had um, yeah, Monica Lewinsky oh, at yeah. the one debate. Yeah, no, it was Kathleen Willey, the one that he. Yeah, Kathleen she Willey. Said oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's oh, it's all through. dirty dirty tricks. All of yeah, them. it all is, and all of them are. They're all horrible. At yeah. Some level. Well, the first part of that, you're correct. Of that, word. they're all horrible. Well, take off the ibble. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I um, think people are. That's not going unnoticed. Well, it is to a lot of people who don't watch the news at all. Uh, it was funny to listen to one of those campus reform shows. They went out on the street. What do you think about Trump's new uh, Supreme Court nominee? And he hadn't made one oh, yet. Oh, yeah. Oh, that person is terrible. They're so extreme. Yep. Yep. Just racist. Pretty funny. I wish I could think of that guy's <coughs> name. He's going to quit, or maybe he... Uh, you know, well, the, he didn't oh, what he should have do done is ask them that, and then when they respond, say... Oh, really? I, I'm surprised. Even though he's transgender, you still feel this way? Yeah. You, you do, do you know oh. what I mean? And see <laughs> well, him change. Like um, old Kimmel when he goes yeah. does fake news on the street? Yeah. Yeah. That had been kind of funny. Uh, Scarlett Johansson. Mm -hmm. I mean, because we all care. ScarJo? ScarJo. That's it. Um, She got some pushback recently because she was cast... Um, as a trans in a movie. Oh, and since she's not trans, it's like yeah. blackface. <laughs> I, th I think so. Appropriation. It, it must be. That <laughs> must be what it is. But so now she has exited the drama. A little more than a week after her casting sparked backlash amid trans groups and activists. Oh, jeepers. In light of recent ethical questions raised surrounding my casting as Dante Tex Gill... I've decided to respectfully withdraw my yeah, participation in the that? project. <laughs> Which magazine do you think she told that to? Um, what's the gay one? Out magazine. At, oh, I was going to say the advocate. Isn't that another one? Oh, I don't know. Which the first reported the news is, is one of those. I think. In a statement, uh, our cultural understanding of transgender people. This kind of goes back to our uh, earlier conversation with Jared. Uh, in, a, <laughs> in the non-church way, uh, continues to advance. And I've learned a lot from the community since making my first statement about my casting and realized it was insensitive. I have great admiration and love for the trans community and am grateful that the conversation regarding inclusivity in Hollywood continues. According to GLAAD, LGBTQ characters dropped... Characters dropped... Oh, okay. According to GLAAD, G-L-A-A-D, which is the Gay yep. Lesbian yep. Alliance Autoimmune Disorder. <laughs> what is? Yeah. What is it? Well, uh, I think L stands for lupus. Um, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> Good, loving, adults, acting, dumb. Responsible. Oh, okay, oh, no. dumb. Uh, no. What is glad? What, what is glad? 
Hello, uh, Peanut Gallery. What's glass? Lesbian what? action alliance. Oh, alliance. alliance. Or maybe it's action. Defamate. No. What is the D? Hey, can I? I'll I'll ask oh, Captain Google. Hello. And that's loud today. Jeez. Uh-huh. It does. Okay. Ah. Okay. I don't want to see. No. But anyway, according to Glad, you'll you'll get there. According to Glad, uh, LGBTQ plus characters dropped forty percent in two thousand seventeen from the previous year, with no representation of trans characters in any studio, any major studio release. Meaning they're not writing trans characters. So is this the new thing? We're going to start writing in these characters. So even in the yes. movie world, yes. we're going to see these trans, this trans movement. You bet. Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. Ooh, so D was defamation. Oh. So casting a an actress who their job is to play anything. That's their job. That's defamation. Yeah, so... Hmm. What if they cast her as a married woman? Or a single woman? Or a kid? Or, or a, a murderer? Woman. Or, or something else. Is that a who? A chaste woman. Oh. <laughs> Daryl Isa. <laughs> oh, Isa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In front of you have a, a one sheet of paper. Hello. Bing. Um, well, let's, let's, uh, shall we look that up? I don't have yeah. the right keyboard. Oh. Yeah. Look what up. Let's see. Daryl Isa has, oh, struck smirk, read his text. <laughs> Yeah, but we probably shouldn't uh, play it. Well, he, he says he can't talk like that. In front of you have a, a one sheet of paper that was presented to you a few minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to just go to go to a date and then ask you to read your own words. <clears throat> March 4th, 2016. You want me to read this? Yes, please. Yes, sir. OMG, he's an idiot. May 4th, 2016. Now the pressure really starts to finish MYE. July 19, 2016. Hi, how was Trump other than a douche? Melania? July 21st, 2016. What? Melania was in Trump there? Trump is a disaster. I have no idea how destabilizing his presidency would be. August 6, 2016. Uh, I don't believe I wrote this text, sir. What? Okay, it's been attributed. It's in the list. I it's it, it's in the the given list of the people. Oh, I didn't write that one. He doesn't really? remember. The funny part too, and that's I don't know if it's in here, but uh, I was heard on uh, No Agenda the other day that they were talking. Uh, I think it was that no 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 it was a uh, the five or something on Fox. Anyway, Greg oh. Gutfeld was talking about, uh -huh. and there's a um, at one point he said, uh, I don't remember writing that, but here's what it means. Here was the context of that. Well, then you do remember. Yeah. Read it to you, so we'll go on to the next. Incredible. August 8th, 2016. Uh, and I'll preface it by saying this for context. Uh, Ms. Page said, not ever going to become president, right? Right? Uh, no, no, he's not. We'll stop it. Repeat that again. <laughs> no, no, he's not. We'll stop it. August 15th, 2016. I want to believe the path you threw out for consideration in Andy's office, that there's no way he gets elected, but I'm afraid we can't take that risk. Who's Andy? So I can Andy uh, Rosenstein? No. no. The other guy. Oh, Andy uh, McCabe? 
Yeah. An insurance policy in the unlikely event you die before you're 40. On October 20th, 2016. Uh, I can't pull away what the, and I defer to the chairman whether or not. You can just use one letter if you don't mind. Why the F, <laughs> what the F happened to our country, Lise? Okay, read it again that way. Was that November? I, sir, did you not, was no, it not I just intelligible? Hear it you one just more want time. to hear it for yeah. me to repeat it? Yes. Please. Okay, sir. Yes, sure. jerk. I'm happy to indulge you. Uh, I can't. What an arrogant. Yes. Pull away. What the F happened to our country, Lise? Why in the world do you believe that this committee should not ask for the record of similar uh, text from your private uh, account to find out what else you might have said about insurance policies or about the President of the United States or investigation? <clears throat> theater. Political theater. Yes. Well, he you, is an actor. You know what he did? He made a uh, a huge amount of political um, gold for the Republicans to mine for political ads. Oh, yeah. How many ads could you make off of what but, you said there? But, but, if you watch a headline, if you read any headline, you do any, like, search of on CNN, MSNBC, for, for sure, it is... Oh, <laughs> Strzok just made the Republicans look like idiots. He made them just look like they didn't know what they were talking about. It's just like when Zuckerberg was up there. Oh, There's Zuckerberg. 500,000 people watching this. Yeah. And 20 million people listening to, like, Sean Hannity. Yeah. So the people aren't buying this. Well, well but the people that care about those other networks are. Yeah, but you're not really changing anybody's opinion, I wouldn't think. You might. I've always thought that political ads don't, they don't change my mind. Yeah. And so I just assume they don't change anyone else's mind. Well, I think the best political ads for the uh, Republican Party are these lunatics in the streets screaming or yeah. the celebrities saying the stuff that they, I mean, I th that's what I think. <clears throat> I, I think an ad is not to change someone's mind, it's to get somebody to go vote. Oh, that that is exactly what it is, yes. Yeah. Um. This. <clears throat> the uh, it, Trump is in Europe. He's in Brit Britain. He got to meet the Queen. And there was tr protests. Protest, there's a baby balloon floating in the air above the Ocon, whatever his name is, the mayor of London, allowed a floating baby um, balloon of Trump. Trump to be flown over the city for a period of two hours. They had a window to fly it, uh, and they were going to just be mocking him because they hate Trump. Trump is bad. Everything about Trump is bad. And so there are all these signs, protesters in the street with signs. We'll read a couple. Say no to Trump. The world's number one racist. That's a pro sign that you, they had whole tables you could buy them from or pick them up from. Uh, a cardboard. Trump, stop confusing global warming with weather. Sad. <laughs> really? <laughs> so, whoa, whoa. Don't okay. bother me with Trump facts. loves, Trump heart Brexit. Uh, <clears throat> no to racism, no to Trump. Um, defy Tory rule. That's Trump's fault. Um, the Guardian had a sign on a post where there's room for many voices, there's space for hope. 
<laughs> it's the newspaper. That's the Guardian. No, that that's a private entity. Yeah. It's not, it's not it's not part of the BBC that's owned by the government, is it? No, I don't think so. Uh oh, there's the blimp. <laughs> <laughs> Baby Trump. Um there's the swear word. Dump Trump. Uh American residents in UK against Trump. Boy. Dump Trump. Yeah, Dump you're Trump. you're making a difference. <laughs> we hate Trump. <laughs> Didn't. This is actually funny. <laughs> it's a picture of Trump on a swastika with a Hitler mustache, and it says, did not see that coming. That's clever. <laughs> yeah. Play on words. Yeah. Free Palestine. Uh, dump Trump. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> instead of the shining, it's the whining. Um, I I want you to play that. Uh, <laughs> Uh-oh. I te- I just texted you the link. Uh-oh, that's not going to work. Um, let's see, hold on. Oh, I got to find it though. No, keep keep talking. Okay. Yeah, keep no, that's talking. Good. Um, I'll, um, I'll send it to email. you on Facebook. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Stick the special relationship up Brexit's what? Ours. <laughs> Tang the tangerine tyrant. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Keep your tiny hands off our NHS or there will be hell to pay. To pay. Hair to pay. <laughs> and some of these are clever. Um, Trump, stop smearing your racist BS. Uh, Trump out. Tories out. General election. Now, what are they doing? Are they wanting to kick out their own people? This is, in, this is London. Government. This is in, in the Europe. Uh, neutrality is lawful evil. What does that mean? <laughs> You know, lawful evil. Yeah. No to Trump. No to war. Um. Women's rights, gay rights, trans rights, immigrants' right, immigrant rights are human rights. <laughs> I'm so angry. I made this sign. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Trump, Hitler. Uh, dump Trump. Orange, uh, orange tufted imbecile, imbecile, intent on Armageddon. There's one more in here that. I thought oh, where to go. I thought it was actually kind of humorous. Oh, let's go here. Oh, where is that? Uh, <laughs> See, when people result to just name calling Trump, you're a. Then that's just you know yeah. stupid. Not creative. At least no. I did try. If you're creative. Yes. Then super that's... super callous, fragile, racist, sexist, Nazi, POTUS. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> you you sent me something? Yeah. You're, you're going to have to play it at the very end. Uh-oh. The very, very end. I don't see it. Where did you send it to me? I just sent it. I just Is that because we'll lose our license on afterwards? email. Oh, okay. Uh, th- there's what? There's swear words in it? At the end there is. Uh-oh. <clears throat> Uh-oh. Do we need to cut it? Uh, bing, bing, bong, bong. Oh, we need that. All right. Right now or yeah. later? Watch it, too. Oh, It'll, okay. It's a video. Uh, all right. All right, all right, all right. This, um... It's Tracy Ullman. It's oh, from the yes. BBC. So this is the BBC. Yes. Yep. Um, this is the overly woke support group. Yes. Yeah? So you yep. are hyper-woke. Yep. Meaning you understand what's nuance going on. and you understand what's right and wrong. So just, just a warning, there might be a... a, a, a a Some word. meat on the bones. Yeah, there, something might slip out, but not at the very, very end. Cover your children. Yeah. <clears throat>
Okay, everyone, welcome. This support group is for people who are so woke that they are finding it impossible to have any fun at all. We have somebody new with us this week, so would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm Oscar. Hi, Oscar. Uh, I think like a lot of you guys, for me, it started with the little things. Signing an online petition, going to a march. Well, I mean, before I knew it, I was... Writing to the Guardian about LGBT representation in the Harry Potter books. Which is shocking, by the way. All right, Lily. We've all read your blog. Don't <laughs> worry, Oscar. You've come to the right place. All of the young people in this room are ruining their lives by being overly virtuous. That's actually a microaggression to say young people because it carries subconscious bias towards the elderly. Actually, what you're doing is denying agency to the elderly, which is arguably much worse. This, arguably. this is what I'm talking about. You see, it's a slippery slope. One minute you're carrying a reusable water bottle, fine, and the next minute you're arguing that water is racist. Oh, my God, is water racist? No, no, <laughs> it's just an example. Right, how did you guys get on with the homework that I set you? Guys isn't an especially inclusive term. Not now, Jamie. By homework, do you mean having to watch that old people's sitcom? It's called Friends, Lily, and you were supposed to watch it and enjoy it. Well, I tried, but I found it deeply problematic. Why? Well, there's the homophobia, the transphobia, the fatism and the slut-shaming, and could Chandler be any more annoying? You can't go through your 20s worrying about every aspect of everything. You have to pick your battles. And just remember that it doesn't really matter, because by the time you hit your 30s, most of you are going to be massively right-wing anyway. <laughs> have any what? of you started to think that maybe poor people don't deserve benefits? No. Well, watch out for that one, because that's how it starts. <laughs> Look, I understand this has all been a bit much for some of you, so let's take five and have a hobnob. I find the word hobnob very phallocentric. Fuck off, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Truth, strangely, from the BBC. You the never know it. This is Night the David Allen Show. DavidAllenShow.com. Uh, where we are. Political theater. I don't think, You're anyway. You never know. Just let me know <laughs> if you want to go. <laughs> uh, Trump says, why didn't Obama do something about the Russian hack if it's so true? How come the president didn't do anything about it? The DNC wouldn't let him. Yeah, man. 
This is the David Allen Show, davidallenshow.com. This is uh, Lagrange from the ZZ Top. How, how, how. Ooh, I learned the other day. I got, I got woke the other day. You did. I did. You did. Shockingly enough, I got woke. And I wanted to woke you guys. Are you ready? Okay, yep, I'm ready. Okay, let me, uh. I got a transition here. Okay, let me um, get ready. Yeah, are you ready? 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 <sighs> Shake it out. Okay. Now, I just want you to have an open mind. Open mind. Tipping is actually pretty f***ed up. When you tip someone, you usually feel like you've done something good. But really, the American tipping system was specifically designed to keep freed slaves poor and give rich white people cheap labor. And there's a strong argument that it's still accomplishing that today. Strong. The end of the Civil War meant rich businessmen lost a huge source of free labor. But that didn't keep them from continuing to take advantage of the former slaves they had abused for more than 200 years. Business owners still wanted no-cost workers and extra coins in their pockets. So the railroad and emerging restaurant industry fought and won the ability to employ newly freed slaves without paying them wages. Instead, they forced them to live off of tips paid by customers. Tipping made its way into the first minimum wage law in 1938. As a result, industries that allowed tipping were generally excused from paying their workers the minimum wage. I know what you're thinking. Wow, that's terrible. But what's even worse is not much has changed for tipped workers since then. The federal minimum wage for tipped workers is only $2.13 an hour, and in 17 states, businesses can legally pay workers that low. Only seven states require businesses to pay tipped workers the same minimum wage as everyone else. Even in some of the states where the regular minimum wage has gone up, the tipped minimum wage was left behind, and it should come as no surprise who gets screwed the most, minorities and women. Both work in the restaurant industry at higher rates. People of color make up 40% of tipped workers and women are more than 60%. White men in the restaurant industry tend to get the jobs with the biggest salaries, while blacks, Latinos, and women are more likely to hold positions closer to the poverty level. And research shows that white servers get Science. better tips than minority servers. I'm trying to make a living. This legacy of inequality has to stop because here's the thing, it doesn't work out well for anybody. Restaurant managers who have abolished the tipping system and replaced it with fair, steady wages report that the overall pay for employees, customer service, and food improved. We shouldn't let a racist scam from more than 100 years ago continue to hurt workers today. Share this video if you want no. people to know the real history woke. of tipping. If you want people to be woke, uh, are, you, are you woke? Do you so, feel woke? So, is she saying that... Uh, what the next time that they should be paid minimum wage yeah and not allowed to be tipped and not be tipped correct because that'll be better <laughs> much better she said yeah. it proves customer service goes up food quality goes up yeah and, and like atmosphere no now i'm next time i go i uh for my anniversary uh my wife and i and another couple went to a fancy french restaurant in uh -huh. st paul uh-huh something we do rarely but it was fun um, I believe that lady probably received nearly a hundred dollar tip. Mm -hmm. We were there about two hours. She had to come take our order, make sure we had water. A couple other, well, one other person, maybe two, 
aided her in delivering our food. Mm-hmm. Hundred bucks on top of her meager salary. What color was her skin? Not black. So next time I go, oh, there, well, that's why. <laughs> but was it was it a her. Woman? It was a woman. Yeah, it was a woman. See, though, so. minorities and women. So this, the woke lady and here Latinos. on the video. Just, no, that's a minority. That that would be a fall. Oh, okay, minority just group. minority. Yeah, all, yeah, you're right. All the minor, ma- I'm sorry. Ma- majority of minorities. Um, majority minority. Yeah. So next time I go, I'm gonna like have a note prepared and probably write it really nicely and make really clear the tip line is zero, and just explain. You know, I am so woke. I'm woke. I, I <laughs> and and I'm not racist. I, I don't want to continue to perpetuate this racism, um, and so we don't tip, as mm-hmm. a rule. Oh, you know, you, you think that would work? Racist. I think it would. I think it would work great. The other thing I think that they need to do is, I don't know if you've done this. I've 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 been on a bus before, and they have seats in the back, and I think that along with this, they need to remove all those seats in the back of the bus. Just take them out. Take them out because. We have to remove that racism because that's that's where, you know. That's traumatic to an African-American to get on the bus and see those seats that some. That they, these guys have kept them for 200 years. How many farmers have had people working for them for 200 years? Most all people, of them. Most people die by the time well, they're all of them do. Oh, well, but each farmer, you got to have someone working for them. You can't automate everything. Now, when I go into a restaurant, I I always give minimum twenty five percent, sometimes thirty percent. If they're really good, maybe thirty or thirty five percent tip. I do that every time. You know, that's quite the soapbox you're up on. The Th- pedestal thank you. you're sitting on is pretty tall. Thank you. Careful, you, you might fall over. I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back, but it's, it sure as heck just sound like I did. My point is this. I tip really well. Yeah. Because my wife used to work in a restaurant, and I know how hard it is, and I know... Uh, so my whole point is this. You you are perpetuating racism. Good work. I am... <clears throat> for the life of me, I don't know what her what her point is. I, d- I don't know what her point is. Well, clearly, you're they're not... Somehow, she thinks they're not making enough money. Exactly. But if you're good, you get tipped well. It, if if you get a good number of people that tip 20... I mean, a lot of restaurants, the average gratuity 18%. is... 18%. 18%. And they'll and, and depending on the group size, they add it on automatically. Uh, add it on I'm, automatically. Next time, I'm going to cross that out and say I don't authorize that payment because I don't believe in racism. So 25% isn't that much more than 18%. It's just... It's maybe a dollar or two, something like that. So it's not that big of a deal. But my point is this, or my question is this, what is she trying to stop? She's woke. The other thing is, how many of these people get tips and don't report it to the government so they don't have to pay taxes on it? That's what this is. This is just a way, this is, oh, this is government marketing. Genius. Oh, they're brilliant. They're using these uh, these woke videos and these attention, A-T-T-T-N colon, that whole feed, to propagate this whole idea to get more tax money. That's it, exactly. You nailed it right on the head. Good work. Thank you. Success. We are uber woke. 
now. I am. By golly, and I that, am. But we are by default. We're in the same room as you. Oh. So it kind of rubs off on you? My um, excellence? I knew a person who worked at, I didn't know them. I talked to them. And they worked at... Um, I'm sorry. Olive Garden. Yeah. And the servers made, on average, the good ones made about 200 250 bucks a day or a night on their shift and tips. And the uh, the cooks who made 12 bucks an hour, they made like $80 a day per shift. And so it seems like the person making the tips, I'd want to be one of them. Yeah, exactly. They make they take home a lot more money because that's just the way the that's system who you is. see to, to say it's oh it's keeping them poor the 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 tipped employees at Olive Garden make a lot more than the the people that work in the kitchen well that's, that's not just, fair this is the problem it's not, not right. fair so we we actually need to keep them down see this is what happens when you demand equality in outcome you have to bring a lot of people down to a certain point yeah you don't lift people up you bring everyone down so here's the question do if you bring so if the goal is equality does it matter where the line is as long as it's equal no not if the goal is equality yeah it can't and that goal that, that line is typically at the bottom but it's it's a false line because the people that are promoting it want equality for everybody else but not for themselves hence why most of the really rich democrat socialists are rich yeah because if they really wanted it, mm -hmm. they really wanted equality, they'd start with giving away all their stuff. But that's not fun. You know, yeah. Then they would have to work. Uh, and speaking of waitresses, a waitress, <coughs> it's the Atlanta Journal, Journal, Constitution. Journal. Journal. <laughs> um, a waitress required... 15 stitches oh, after she was attacked by four women she served Tuesday night at Henry County's Applebee's, police said. The Why? women The women beat and punched the waitress and stabbed her in the forearm with a steak knife. Kyle Helgerson told AJC.com they allegedly took her tip money. Oh, they were trying to like support anti-racism. Like re reparations. <laughs> Before they skipped out on a $62.57 bill, authorities identified the four women as Demetri D yep. Demetrius. Yep. That's a woman's name? Okay. It's a. Once you cross a certain line, all bets are off. Demetrius Boyd, Katera Boyd, Lakeisha Boyd, and LaShondra Boyd. Mm hmm. Helgerson said it all started when the women were having dinner at the Industrial Boulevard location in McDonough, and one of the diners was sitting with her leg out in the aisle. The waitress had brushed up against her leg. There was an initial conversation about that. The waitress was in her 20s and reportedly apologized to the women, the woman claiming it was an accident. After the table complained about not receiving their food, the waitress went to the kitchen to retrieve it. She came back a second time to serve them with food or drinks and brushed up against the woman again. That infuriated the suspect. The server tried to walk away, but the situation turned violent. All four of them got out of the table and began to assault the waitress, one of them grabbing a steak knife. 
Fellow diners stepped in to break up the fight, and the woman ran out of the restaurant with the stolen tips, according to police. They were seen leaving the restaurant parking lot in a white Infinity SUV. Police were called. About 11.30 p.m., the waitress was taken to the Piedmont Henry Hospital, where she was treated for the stab wound and other abrasions and released. Applebee's told Channel 2 Action News that providing a safe environment for servers and guests is the restaurant chain's top priority. Clearly not yeah. anti-racism. The server, and ironically, all four of these assaulters uh, were in that the black camp. I I didn't catch that. What do you th- what do you think are the chances that uh, and I can say this I'm fat enough to say this, um, the person whose leg was out in the aisle maybe she was uh, overweight rather large, and she couldn't get her her thigh underneath the table and it sort of had to hang out there, and so it was when she got brushed against. She might have thought, she's fat shaming me. Mm. So maybe, maybe why would the, a, why would an, uh, the waitress is probably racist and biased against fat people. Yeah. Now, if she's thin, okay, then why would a. She'd still be a, racist. Why so. would a normal person, normal sized person, stick their leg out in the road? Let's assume maybe it was in a, in a cast. Maybe it was broken and you couldn't bend it. I think they would say that. But if she was fat and couldn't get it underneath, they wouldn't say that. No, they wouldn't. I thought it was... It was just... <laughs> yeah, I, I read it and I was like... This is... This is, these are, this is one of the stories yep. that... If anybody brings it up, what you you bring it up and you walk away. Bing bing. Uh, I have one more here, I think. Let me see. Oh, ho, ho, ho. <clears throat> maybe I don't. And my belief is no. This whole <laughs> thing is more culture. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Starbucks 2018 will forever be remembered as the year that hating plastic straws went mainstream. Once the lonely cause of environmental cranks, now everyone wants to eliminate these suckers from daily life. In July, Seattle imposed America's first ban on plastic straws. Vancouver, B.C. passed a similar ban a few months earlier. There are active attempts to prohibit straws in New York City, Washington, D.C., Portland, Oregon, and San Francisco. A-list celebrities from Calvin Harris to Tom Brady have lectured us on giving up straws. Both National Geographic and The Atlantic have run long profiles on the history and environmental effects of the straw. Vice is now treating their consumption as a dirty, hedonistic excess. Not to be outdone by busybody legislators, Starbucks, the nation's largest food and drink retailer, announced on Monday that it would be going strawless. This is a significant milestone to achieve our global aspiration of sustainable coffee, served to our customers in more sustainable ways, said Starbucks' Kevin Johnson, the CEO. Uh, The coffee giant says that by 2020, it hopes to have eliminated all single-use plastic straws at its 28,000 stores worldwide. 
It will now top all its cold drinks with fancy new strawless lids that the company currently serves with its cold brew nitro coffees. As it is, as it is to be expected, Starbucks' decision was greeted with universal adulation. The World Wildlife Fund and the Ocean Conservancy both provided ebullient quotes. Ebullient. Ebullient quotes. For Starbucks press releases, Liberal Magazine, The New Republic, praised the move as a, quote, environmental milestone. Slate hailed the Starbucks straw ban as evidence of a victory for a bona fide anti-straw movement. One that would hopefully lead to bans of more plastic things in years to come. Yet missing from this fanfare was the inconvenient fact that by ditching plastic straws, Starbucks will actually be increasing its plastic use. As it turns out, the new nitro lids have that Starbucks is leaning on to replace straws are made up of more plastic than the company's current lid-straw combination. <laughs> right? <laughs> They're sippy cups. Right now, Starbucks patrons are topping most of their cold drinks with either 3.23 grams or 3.55 grams of plastic product, depending on whether they pair their lid with a small or large straw. The new nitro lid, meanwhile, weigh either 3.55 or 4.11 grams. Oh, oh, the humanity, depending on, again, the lid size. Now, now with the straws, is it more that it affects wildlife or is it the volume of plastic? It's because straws are evil. But I think it's because it Straws are evil. You know, turtles' <laughs> noses and stuff. Can't be that. It's because straws are evil. Oh, okay. And plastic is evil. That's why you can't have a plastic bag in San Francisco anymore. They're illegal. Mm. And so you have plastic bag dealers <laughs> on the street in the alley. Hey, buddy, come here. You want a plastic bag? Hey, hey, kid. Hey, kid, you want to buy a plastic bag? Yeah, I'll, I'll throw in so. a straw for free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you okay? One last. As the world came together to celebrate the rescue of 12 boys and their coach trapped in a cave in Thailand, um, for over two weeks, the Huffington Post took the opportunity <laughs> to call out the Navy SEALs who performed the dangerous extraction mission for their toxic masculinity. <laughs> In an article published on the site on Tuesday, the Post's Toxic News Division criticized several elements of the SEAL rescue as showing, quote, deeply ingrained, problematic, heteronormasculinity. This is just the typical cisgender toxic masculine behavior going in and showing off their macho ah, bravado. should have just let them die. By risking their lives to save some young boys, the article stated. Really? It's 2018, and we're still tied down to traditional gender roles? These poor boys were exposed to an extremely harmful example of toxic masculinity throughout their rescue. This needs to stop, like now. The article further criticized the SEALs for mansplaining their rescue plan to reporters and journalists, quote, manspreading their legs to propel themselves through the underwater passageways, and man-terrupting when they politely informed reporters that they had to stop talking so they could go save the boys. At publishing time, the Post had written a second article criticizing the group of divers for appropriating the culture of oceanic seals. This has to be from The Onion. Or uh, News Babylon Bee. today brought to you by the Babylon Bee, everybody. <laughs> we are all... Uh, it's kind of amazing when you look at that story that those 
what, three or four hour swim underwater in these tiny holes they had to go through? Yeah, they were back like two miles. How'd they get in there? They what? walked. Oh, yeah, you walk. Uh, it was like a and team how, building and what kind happened of that excur- uh, a flood they, a lot of rain it flooded yeah there was oh, a monsoon yeah. that came in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so the idiot coach can you imagine his life now oh. <laughs> he should have been the guy that died yeah oh. this is the david allen show david allen show.com we want to thank uh, jared thompson from the iowa for jumping on earlier in the show uh hopefully we'll get him back again to i don't know throw stuff at him you never know yeah uh, David, for being in studio again, which is still like, I'm in awe. <laughs> <laughs> Hit and miss. <laughs> Swinging and miss. DavidAllenShow.com uh, on the iTunes, David Allen Show. Uh, Google Play Store if you're one of these people with an Android device. That's all right, though. We still like you. Mm, okay. Stay woke, everybody. (laughs) This is the David (laughs) Allen Show. Bye.